Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table this week. I wanted to take a week as we're starting to head into the holiday season and have a conversation about rest. We've talked about it before. I think it's because for most mothers, rest feels very elusive. It feels like something we long for and we want, and yet we're very full of life, busy, running in a million directions. And so rest seems like we can't reach it. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just me that feels that way. But today we're going to actually crack open the word and we're going to just look at a story in scripture and understand maybe a little bit more about how Jesus looks at rest. How does Jesus see rest? But have you ever felt like you're on the edge? You know, we're walking into the holiday season and everything for me feels a little bit edgy, for lack of a better word. Like, um, you're hearing all this talk about, well, you better, you better shop early because this or that, or you better do this. You better do that. Everything's the cost of everything is going up. Um, gas is going up like all of the issues of the day feel like they layer into this holiday season for me. And I don't know if you feel that way, but I want us to take today and learn an idea, learn from scripture, a way that maybe we can pause, reflect, and reset in order to make this holiday season a beautiful time with our family and our kids. But most importantly, y'all, before we can make it a beautiful time for anyone else, we need to have that vertical relationship with God be beautiful. And we need to have that reset and structured and put in its right place. So I want, I'm going to tell you a quick story of a time where God began to make this clear to me. We were, I needed rest. I knew it. I don't know if you ever get to the point where it's like your body craves it. It doesn't matter how much sleep you get. That's not the rest you really need. You need the rest that says, I'm going to pull off of this race of life and I'm going to sit and let my bruised, aching heart be tended to. I'm going to let my mind calm down and stop racing. I'm going to take some time. So I needed that. We were running in so many directions with all of our kids. Um, then we had had several 
crazy crisis. We had had uh, a car accident. We had had another child really uh, sick and some medical crisis happening more than, you know, more than just a flu or something. And all I could think was I need to rest. And I don't know about you, but my favorite escape place is the beach. The sound of the waves breaking on the sand, the way it whooshes when it leaves again, the way that um, salty, hot kind of sticks to your skin, like all of it. I love the beach. I love my children at the beach. I love hearing them laugh. I, I just, I longed for the beach. I longed for those sounds. And I kept, we, we were having a vacation coming and then it was like the weeks pre- leading up to it were getting crazier and crazier. And so all I kept saying was just get to the beach. And I want to introduce to y'all today the idea that for some of us now we're, we're stepping into November and we may be beginning to say, if we can just get to Thanksgiving, if we can just get to Christmas, if we can just get through this semester with our kids at school, it, it will all be okay. And I kept saying, just get to the beach, Bethany. Just get to the beach. Everything's going to be okay if you can just get to the beach. So I, I was so excited. I had painted this picture of how wonderful this week was going to be. It was going to be calm. It was going to be peaceful. It would be wonderful. Our whole family would enjoy our favorite place. And I just saw healing and quiet contemplation and beautiful scenery. And then we got to the beach and it wasn't. It wasn't that way. In fact, now that I have some perspective on that beach trip, I feel almost like my whole family had to be dragged through a crazy beach experience so that the Lord would write this truth on my heart deeply. You see, we moved in to this beach house. We were renting it. It was a nightmare. Uh, this beach house had... Um, it had its kitchen upstairs. So I don't know if you've ever had a beach house like that. So it's it's like just bedrooms are on the downstairs floor and the kitchen is on the upstairs floor so that you could see better and all of that. But when we moved into this house, um, the ki- the refrigerator was broken and the freezer was broken. But we didn't know that. And so we loaded all of our groceries in and we eagerly went out to the beach that day, came back and everything was like melted in the freezer and the entire refrigerator, everything was spoiled. And the rental company was very difficult. And they really, they brought another refrigerator. I mean, they had to do something, but they put the refrigerator downstairs in the entryway to the house. So when you were in the kitchen trying to cook, you had to go across the house, down the stairs, back across the house to where they had set the refrigerator to get something to bring it back across the house, up the stairs and back across the house into the refrigerator to use it. it. It was just, it was so not good. It was almost laughable in that moment, but it was just not good. And then as we were staying there a couple of days, the air conditioner broke and um, a ceiling fan also broke while it was whipping around, it broke and the blade went flying off. Now, thank, thank the Lord. It didn't hit anybody or hurt anybody. It could have just been serious damage, but in the winging around, I think the Lord even just protected that. And it, it went flying around out instead of in to 
hit anyone in the room. It, it was, I mean, in the list, I could name 10 more things that were wrong with this house. And it was a nightmare. It was not restful. Not at all. And in the middle of that week, uh, we had a child hydroplane in their car and total their car. And we had to handle that um, kind of catastrophe from afar. So that there was a lot. I mean, circumstances were a lot outside of normal, right? Let alone restful. To the point that I began, have you ever had such a like a chain of events that you almost begin to feel like you're getting hysterical. Like you're, if one more thing went wrong, you might truly break down. And and that's, that's how I felt. And nothing was peaceful. And I, yet when we're in those places, one of my first thoughts is, God, why did you, why did, why is this happening? Why did you leave me inside of this? You knew I needed this week to be what I had been praying for it to be. And it's not that. And I needed some time away. I've already been pouring myself out and doing all this work and, and feeling um, stretched and beyond my capacity. And I needed this week with you. I even wanted to qualify it and say, I needed this week with you, Lord, so that I could go back into the work you're calling me to do in my family, your work you're calling me to do in writing and in other things, Lord, ministry wise, why have you allowed this week? And you know, oftentimes we ask that question and we sit with that as our perspective. I think most of us do. And we run the risk of being resentful. And we run the risk of getting very irritable. But God doesn't scoff. Like he doesn't laugh at our need for rest. He doesn't minimize it. He understands it's a true need. But he also doesn't desert us. And I was really feeling deserted by God. Felt like he had minimized my need too for rest. But he began to refocus me. And what he began to say is, Bethany, you have misplaced your rest. It's not that you don't have it. You don't understand where it is. And you're placing it in the wrong things. So I want us to look. We're going to go look in Mark. We're going to look in Mark 6. And the first verse that we want, I want you to look at is I want you to Look at what Jesus says in Mark 6.31. Jesus said to the disciples, Come away by yourselves to, de- to a desolate place and rest a while. So Jesus is offering this invitation. Like, if anybody ever tells you that God is not a God of in- inviting us into rest, it's not true based on one verse alone, except there's many verses where God says, Come to me, hide under my wing, come be inside of, you know, my refuge. Like there's so many places where God says rest is important to our souls. And I've read that verse so many times and I've nodded my head. Absolutely. We should come away to a desolate place and rest. And my desolate place, my place of choice was the beach. And God this week 
had decided to say, I am going to fix what you view as rest. Some of us long to go, like to go to mountain retreats. Some of us just say, you know, if I could just take a bath and quiet at night, that will rest my soul. If I could just have a day by myself to just be quiet, if my kids could all be somewhere else, I know I could get the rest I need. If I can just lock myself in my closet for 30 minutes, I could get the rest I need. And when we look at this scripture, though, I think we can see something way different. So when we look at this scripture and we look at the context of what's happening when Jesus gives this invitation, we see a chain of events for the disciples. The disciples had just returned from their first ministry, their first mission trip, if you will. God, uh, Jesus had sent them out in teams of two in Mark 6, and he had said, you know, go out. You have authority over spirits. I want you to call the people to repent. And he charges them to take nothing for their journey, to wear sandals, not put on two tunics. And he said, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart. This is Mark 6, verses 7 through um, 13. And in verse 13, it says, they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick, and they healed them. So they were doing quite a lot of work. And now they've reconvened. They've come back in. And can you imagine, like, they have gone out and done something they've never done before. They've been proclaiming for people to repent. They're watching people come to repentance. They're watching people be healed. They're casting out demons. They are doing the work they have watched Jesus do. Now they're doing. I can think of nothing more exciting than to come back to Christ and to have your stories to tell. Can you imagine like if James and John had gotten to go together, you know, they're walking back and they're like, oh man, I mean, can you imagine, like, we're going to tell Jesus about this and we're going to tell Jesus about this. And, and I imagine Peter, <laughs> Peter probably was trying to be the first one there to say everything that had happened with him. Um, hopefully Andrew was his partner because Andrew as his brother would probably have understood his, that need in, in Peter, but they're gathering together and Jesus is listening to their stories about what happened. And Mark says that so many others started gathering around. Like this was not a private moment of decompressing after something massive. This wasn't a place to reflect and ponder at what they had learned. Instead, everybody is gathering around them. So many, so they couldn't even eat, it says in Mark. So Jesus leads them to a desolate place by boat, makes them boat across the Sea of Galilee. So can you imagine like now they're on the boat, at least now they don't have everybody else pressing in. And so they're trying to tell their stories to Jesus now, right? As they're boating across and they thought, man, if we can get to the other side, it'll be quiet and we can just talk and we can learn about what we, what just happened And maybe Jesus will praise us and tell us we did a good job, right? But they get to the far shore and the crowd was waiting there is what it says. Instead of a deserted place to reset, to think about what's already happened and to get ready for the next things, 
They were already in the next things. Jesus and the disciples are boating up to shore, and there is a needy group of people there, just desperate to see Jesus. And so what happens? Well, this is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. So the disciples, instead of getting rest and renewing their own minds, they immediately are plunged right back into work. They're serving 5,000 men, it says, baskets of loaves and fish. And then Jesus says then, which I always find interesting, it says that um, they get over to the other side and Jesus, they begin to, Jesus feeds them, you know, the, the five loaves and the two fish that he breaks down, breaks up into clumps. And um, everybody ate and was satisfied. And then Jesus says, if you look in another passage, not the Mark one, that Jesus actually tells the disciples to do the cleaning up. So it's the disciples who take 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. So they, they're not resting. Where was their reset? I can only imagine. I mean, can't you just think about it? Like, Yes, they're they're watching another miracle. And I imagine they are amazed. How did these a few fish and a few hunks of bread become all of this for all these people? But y'all, if it was only men, 5,000 men is like there's a lot of walking involved in that. Let alone anything else of serving and then cleaning up. But it wasn't just men. But think of how many people That was. And how long it took them. And so then the miracle's over. And Jesus tells them, it says in Mark 6.45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. So I can imagine that these disciples are like, finally, Oh my word, I'm exhausted. My arms are sore from these baskets. I cannot believe that's an amazing miracle Jesus did. Can you imagine? I mean, they're, they're talking about that in the boat. There's, they still have all these stories they would like to tell. And they get in the boat and Jesus is like, I'll meet you. I'll meet you on the other side. I'll take care of the crowd. Y'all go ahead and y'all rest. But instead of resting on this journey back across the the Sea of Galilee, it says that the boat was out on the sea and that they were making headway painfully because the wind was against them. The wind blew against the disciples in the boat. Now Christ, it says, is on the shore and he sees this happening, which is a whole nother thing we need to talk about later. But the wind is against them. And so now these exhausted men, they're physically spent, they're emotionally spent, they're spiritually spent, and they are, you know, they have returned from a missionary journey. They rode across the lake earlier that morning. They served a massive feast to thousands of people. Now they're trying to row across the lake again, and they literally are stuck where they, they, they are rowing to go nowhere. They are rowing, and the boat is not moving 
at all is what scripture says. It is stuck in the middle of the lake. And all I can imagine is they just, they, they, they just want to go to bed. They just want to sleep. Have you ever felt this way? Like I've done so much, God. I've been walking through so many hard spaces and trying to love on so many people and care for this and do that and speak truth here. And I'm trying to be obedient here. And I, and I've seen your work here. I'm trying to even just take that in and understand that. And I just feel weary and stuck and feel like everything is swirling around me because y'all, a windstorm like that is loud. It's not quiet even. So they're shouting, shouting at each other as they try and get across the lake. And that's where a lot of my soul was that week at the beach. And then to have all this extra stuff as we went to the beach, I just, it was like the windstorm of the century at the beach. Nothing was clean. Nothing worked. Nothing stayed working. It just, it was a nightmare. Sick kids, broken down cars, hurt kids. It just was awful. But Jesus saw them. And Jesus walks over to them across the sea. This is where he walks on water. And he climbs into the boat. And he quieted the wind. Can you imagine the stillness and the quiet after the loud howls of the wind? Where with just one word from Christ, everything went to nothing. After the loud crowds of the day and everybody clamoring for food and clamoring to be touched by Jesus and all the pressing in and the pushing because that's how it was. It wasn't like these crowds were just nice, polite crowds sitting quietly. I mean, they were always pressing and pushing and yelling and shouting for attention and then feeding them and all the work and all the straining and all the loud on the waves and it went quiet. And the quiet being with Jesus astounded them it says in scripture and you know often I can misplace my rest I don't know about you but the only place the disciples were going to find their rest was with Jesus it wasn't going to be in a place one side of the Sea of Galilee or the other wasn't going to be in a boat getting away from crazy people. Wasn't going to be in the middle of busyness. Often we decide what will be restful, don't we? We believe that if our house was clean or our kids were behaving and not fighting with each other or we had just a little bit more you know, margin in our lives, whether it was time margin or money margin or... Um, we think that it's going to be this place, this vacation, or this moment in time, we could rest. But he calls you and me to place our rest in him, despite all the other stuff. 
He promises rest. It just won't be in the places we want to look for it. You see, we don't need a rescue out to a different location. We need a rescuer right where we are. We don't need like the soothing of waves or the ocean breeze. We need a shepherd and an overseer of our soul who will soothe us in the middle of the storm. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 is a favorite passage of mine because in it, Jesus promises to give us rest when we come to him. And then in Hebrews 4, 9, it says that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. He captures our gaze, promises to center our vision on him and him alone. And he'll blow peace into our souls when the storms no one even sees are raging. So this week, I really want to encourage you maybe to look into what it means to let Jesus be your rest. Before we get into the crazy of November and December, before we start figuring out all the Christmas lists we have to have and all the meals we need to plan and all the events we need to do or feel obligated to do so that our children understand Christmas more, all the parties we must go to or help with or like all the things that are good things. They're not, they're not bad, but either our soul is resting on Jesus alone and we understand he is what we need or we're going to seek to find our rest in false places. You and I can have hope because Jesus is our salvation and part of being our salvation means he is our resting place. This week, I'm, I'm going to have a bunch of scripture attached to the show notes that you can use over the next four or five days and explore a little bit more of what it means that Jesus is your rest, that he is your resting place, that he is fully all you need, that his peace will invade your soul and allow you to taste the joy of walking with him. Even when life feels really crazy, So if you were sitting with me today, we would have a talk about it. And these would be some of the questions I would ask you. I would ask, what do you think will bring you rest? And I really would love for you to write that down because it's important that you see what you believe will bring you rest. Because I promise you, I can name 20 things right now that I think would bring me rest. The beach, number one, the beach. I always will say that. It will not. It will not. Jesus will bring me rest. My kids getting along. It won't bring me rest. It won't bring me peace. Understanding Jesus is my peace, despite the arguing around me, helps me to rest. But but there's so many 
And when we're tired and when we're weary and when our hearts ache and when we're deeply discouraged, we need to run to the one who sees us in the struggle and absolutely walks straight to us across it all. And we need to be with him. So I've got a sheet for you. It's an easy print. Just print it out. Use it. But write down where you've been falsely believing you will find rest. The things you've been pursuing. And take some of these scriptures and begin to say, instead of this, I'm going to put my hope in you, Jesus. In this passage, in this passage. And that sheet of paper will walk you through how to do that. And it will walk you through the questions that... I, that helped me. Um, because if we were really sitting here today, that's what we would talk about. Because we need to know so that we can let him be the shepherd and the overseer of our soul. I hope you have a great week this week. I want you to know that um, you can reach out to me through email, you can reach me through Instagram, and you can reach me on my website. And I am praying that you'll begin to understand before the hustle of the holidays that Jesus is your perfect rest. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.